I uh, admit to you now that I asked Trill to read scripture. Trill is not here, so we're going to read scripture together and then yeah, just continue with what God has for us today. But um, So we're all scripture readers this morning and listeners, so wherever that finds you, let's read uh, Matthew 21 together. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone to whom it falls will be crushed. Um, <laughs> in a recent, I think I can say it this way, a very recent Christmas Eve or around Christmas Eve um, adventure, Trell and I needed to get some last minute things for uh, for some stockings and just, you know, little things just to... Trill and I, in a recent, doesn't mean that was this year or, but just, just recent, Trill and I snuck off towards Walmart. Have you ever been to Walmart around Christmas? Anyway, things were actually going pretty smoothly. Uh, we were getting things we needed. And I tell you this also, Olivia, I've never shared this with you. I don't think I've shared this with anyone. So welcome to December the 26th sharing. Um, everything went pretty okay. Um, got what we needed. Uh, trail's not much of a fuss. Like, hey, should we get that? Yes, it's pretty easy. We got it to the cashier's thing, and that's where things got a little more difficult. Um, going through, the line wasn't even that long. We went to one of those uh, where there's actually a person checking you out, and uh, it, she gets through our stuff, and she leans over the little, uh, whatever those are called, um, conveyor belt. I, you know what I'm talking about. Um, she leans over, looks at Trail, and is like, did your grandpa get you anything for Christmas? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, and I'm just clueless. I'm like, yeah, he's got great-grandfathers. I mean, they're good. They got him some cool stuff. And I'm like, whoa, wait, she's looking at me. <laughs> what? I know that there is some gray hair on my head. I know that my wife has told me that it's becoming a lot thinner uh, up here. I know I'm working on this spare, which I still don't get the spare tire reference. Like, I don't feel like anything else is flat. And why would else? Anyway, I get that those things are starting to happen, and I'm getting older, and things don't work. But grandfather, and there's nothing wrong with being a grandfather. If you are a grandfather, <laughs> I still don't, I don't. To which I say this, I'm not sure what feeling that that brought into me. Maybe a humility, maybe a something, but, and you're going to hate this little segue, but that's what I want to talk about this morning. And I'm sure you're thinking, great, we got out of bed for this. Uh, super excited. Uh, whatever that feeling is, I want to hit on that um, a little bit today. It has taken me longer um, very admittedly to you, longer than it should. And I'm not saying that I've arrived at any stretch of the imagination. I'm just aware of it more uh, now. But it's taken me longer than it should to realize that it's not my duty. Um, it's not your duty, your job, your task as a follower of Jesus uh, to provide easy answers to every question. But 
what we get to do is make people progressively aware of the mystery. God isn't so much the object of our knowledge as he is the cause of our wonder. In Acts chapter 2, there's this fantastical scene uh, that breaks out. Uh, The Holy Spirit falls down and and it looks like, I don't know, Scripture kind of describes it as these tongues of fire that rest on people's heads. And there is this gang of illiterate Jews who are suddenly able to speak in languages uh, that they couldn't before. And there's this gathered crowd uh, that realizes that something very atypical uh, has, is happening, but they're split uh, in, in how to react to this. Um, some jeer. Some are like, uh, these poor peasants, they're inebriated on, on sweet wine, while the others are filled with wonder. What does this mean? Arrested by mystery, we have two choices. We are either become cynical or we become filled with awe and wonder. Cynicism, as most of us know, is very easy. Uh, it's safe, but it's also boring. Uh, it shrinks the world down to this, this manageable size. And if we aren't careful, it tries to shrink God down. But the world is not manageable. And as you know, God is also not shrinkable. And I, I love being cynical for a whole host of reasons, but mostly because it helps me stay in control. Um, I, uh, no, I'll just, I'm not even going to try to like allude to it. I'm just going to tell you. There was, we were at retreat, at fall retreat in Encounter LA a few weeks ago. I guess it's been a month ago. A youth group was. And I ran into a friend that I've known for a lot of years. He's had a rough year of transition, kind of lost his youth ministry job. Uh, as many of my friends did, just been a weird couple years. But he's gone in and he's found a preaching ministry place there in in Lubbock, and he was beginning to tell me about things. He said he recently seen or met or I mean began relationship with this guy who uh, had been physically healed uh, after 20 years of being paralyzed. This man uh, could suddenly walk and move again, and and the cynic in me. Uh, kind of, I'd be honest, I just sat there and thought, how, how sad uh, it is for you to, to believe that those kind of things uh, can still happen. Um, and then he introduced me to this man. And both of them just sat and talked about half of their church family is their church family because they have experienced some sort of, of healing. And the cynic in me just kind of hemmed and hawed. Oh. I don't understand it. We, we respond when, with cynicism when we don't want to be duped. Um, and we respond with wonder when we don't want to miss out. So this morning, the day after Christmas, I wanted the gospel to fall on our hearts again. But this time I wanted us to be kind of alert and ready and not... I don't want it to come at us surprisingly. And for some reason, and I'm going to apologize right now. The idea that popped into my head when not being surprised comes from the movie Wild Hogs. All right, there's this scene where John Travolta's character goes and he slaps a bull on its hind parts. And, you know, it's kind of like, I guess, (laughs) full sound. Um, But 
oh, not yet. But what happens next is Tim Allen's character goes, and then everybody's kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? I'm like, why weren't they like this the first time? I'm like, we've never seen somebody try to hit a bull that it's aware. And for some reason, this is the thought process, and I guess I just wanted to share it with you. So here it is. So literally, we're going to slap a bull. Yep. And then you're going to want to hightail it out of there. Yeah, a lot of animals I would slap. But, I, you know, chicken. I'd slap a chicken or a goat, maybe. A ferret I'd slap, you know. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to slap a bull. It's your idea. Get in there. Go. Go. All right, I'm going to slap a bull. I'm going to slap that bull. There we go. Just slap it right there in the rear end, huh? Right on the hind haunches. You know, this is so good for Gary. I'm glad we could help. So, I wanted the gospel to fall on our hearts kind of ready for it this morning. Um, And when I say the word gospel, you have to know it's a very loaded word. Uh, It's not something that... I know Jake's talked about this. It's been a little while, but that that word, it's not something that Christianity has coined. It's not something that we invented. It was something that we just used. Uh, In fact, um, the word gospel or euangelion um, became popular really when Alexander the Great stepped on the scene. what Alexander brought was this good news declaration, this proclamation, this, this gospel, that the kingdom of Greece is here and, and it's good. Greece is going to bring you education, university, like you've never had before. They're going to bring you hospital, places that you can take sickness and, and, and get better. They're going to bring you entertainment. They're even going to bring you athletics. And it's good news. And even centuries before that, the gospel was spread around. There was lots of good news proclamations and announcements. Uh, Even after Greece, when Rome came, uh, there was a gospel of Rome. They brought um, the good news of Rome. And so when you do this, and go ahead now if you'd like to, grab your Bibles, and we're going to read from Matthew chapter 1. When you get there, uh, and if you don't have a Bible, there's plenty on a rack uh, back there too. Um, but when you get uh, to your Bible and discover that Matthew says the gospel according to Matthew, uh, you've got to realize that this is a very subversive statement. There is already an empire in power. There is already a Caesar on the throne. And so when, God, when Matthew says the gospel according to himself, he is saying there is a new king that is not Caesar. There is a new kingdom and it's not Rome. And it's here. And it's in power. Um, So we're going to spend a little time in Matthew chapter 1 today. Um, Let's pray together. God, thank you for calling us all. Um, Thank you for putting your spirit in us. God, thank you for for showing us your goodness Um, over and over, showing us your faithfulness. And God, we we know we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. And this morning, may may we, whatever that is, uh, may may we just get out of the way um, so that we can hear your good news announcement is for everyone, uh, absolutely everyone, God. And I want, I want people that we've mistreated to pop up in our heads today, people that we've gossiped about, people that we've never given a second chance, people that we've made 
think that Christianity and God's love is not something that's all that great. God, we show us how your kingdom is for everybody breathing. May that capture our hearts this morning. As the church says, amen. All right, Matthew chapter 1. This is going to be starting in verse verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, uh, that's where we'll be. So. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. And Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, and by Tamar. And Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab, the father of Nashon. And Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon, the wife of Uriah. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asaph. Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. Joram, the father of Isaiah, and Isaiah, the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos. And Amos was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehonachan and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shetiel, and Shetiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiad. Abiad, the father of Elikim, and Elikim, the father of Azor. And Azor was the father of Zadok, and Zadok was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Eliad, and Eliad was the father of Eleazar. And Eleazar was the father of Mathon, the father of Joseph, or, sorry, father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. From the deportation of Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. Uh, we are working at a huge uh, disadvantage this morning already. And so I just wanted to do this. I just want to take a quick poll. And by quick poll, I'm not asking you to be very demonstrative, demonstrative in your showing of hands. I just, I've been to like... What are those auctions where the dude's like, I don't know. And so it could be just like a little wink or like a little side turn. You don't have to, you don't have to let people even next to you in your row know. It could be like this. You get it? So we're going to take a little poll. Um, here we go. Uh, who found what we read just then very moving to your spirit? Show of hands. Okay. I've seen, I've seen some, you may have just been scratching, but it's cool. Who was kind of bored? Okay. Looking around, like, I can't believe she raised, yeah, she raised her hand. Um, who, when we were reading, was able to hit some of those names and those Bible stories and then link back to Genesis or Exodus or places where you've seen this story just become something? Who was able to, to hyperlink as we read through this genealogy. Who zoned out completely? Very honest. Very grateful. Even the back row, I see you. Awesome. Thank you for being very honest. Um, man, 
genealogies were so are so exciting uh, to Eastern ears. Uh, when an Eastern person hears genealogy, I mean it grabs their attention, grabs their focus. We living kind of on the west side of the world get so lost in names that we can't pronounce that we miss these deep buried truths and you might even admit it that sometimes it can get very boring all right so first matthew is a jewish man jewish author writing to a uh, jewish audience and so even as we finish that genealogy you heard that 14 generation to 14 generation to 14 generation. By the way, uh, Matthew had to do some little bit of finagling to get that last 14. Something you can chase if you ever want to. Um, If a Jewish author ever points something out on the surface, there's probably not much to it. What Matthew and Jewish authors like to do is bury uh, deep, deep truths. Um, So... Uh, what we need to do this morning uh, as we continue is ask a little more of Jewish questions. Uh, all right, so Matthew is a Jewish man writing to a Jewish audience in a very patriarchal society. Um, so the fact that Matthew brings up women, like in the first two or three sentences in Greek of his, his gospel, his proclamation, um, brings up some deep questions. Um, in fact, the first woman he mentions is Tamar. And if you know much of her story, it was there was this incestuous relationship. Um, there's injustice. There's Judah taking advantage of women. It's a very dark story. But Matthew, uh, he includes it. A few generations later, Rahab uh, shows up. Um, he didn't need to... Matthew doesn't need to include Rahab. He could have gone... Um, from Boaz to, to Obed, but, but he doesn't. He includes her story. Um, just uh, among a few things, uh, she is a Canaanite woman um, living in Jericho. If you're trying to establish this genealogy, um, bringing up somebody who's not Jewish makes no sense. But yet, here she is. And I know quickly after this dark story of Rahab, uh, there is Ruth, which you're thinking, well, Ruth's a really good story. I love what Ruth, what God's doing in Ruth. There's kinsman redeemer. There's, I mean, there's turning bitterness into joy. That, that's great. But Ruth also is not a Jew. She is a Moabitess. So as far as Jewish genealogies is going, Matthew is doing a horrible job. And he wants us to know it. He wants you to, to grab onto that. Why? Why is Matthew so purposely pointing out women in his story? Women that um, a Jewish patriarchy would much rather hide under the scriptures. Women that we would like to avoid. Matthew says those dark stories are part of God's story. And I just, it may not grab you much this morning. Um, but see how much we miss when we look at a genealogy. Like, well, okay. And there's so much that, that Matthew's trying to bury for us to discover. And you know that each of, each of the gospel writers has this agenda. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all have something. That's why um, 
They highlight different things. They, they include different details. They challenge the hearers. We are supposed to, to read through all the gospel accounts and put them side by side. And Why would you include that? Why did you do that? You're supposed to be challenged by it. But some, um, some reason, uh, Matthew does what he does, and that's, man, that's everything we're going to talk about this morning, uh, where we're going to end, where we're going to begin, what we're going to do. Um, what is Matthew's agenda? Um, maybe you have wrestled with this word. Uh, what is mumser? That's his agenda. Um, mumser means... Uh, outsider, outcast, somebody that um, a Jewish woman didn't marry a Jewish man, and so this child that, that's come from their their marriage is non-Torah observant. So uh, that, that kid is an outcast. He's illegitimate. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, why is it that Matthew includes this? Why does this matter uh, to Matthew? It matters to Matthew uh, because it is completely and straight out of his own story. Uh, Matthew, at some point in his life, uh, cashed in his chips. Um, we don't know his backstory. I've got another weird, like, visual. Have you ever been to, for some reason, like, like one of those little, what's it even called? Like, there's lots of booths set up. Like, can you just go by each booth? This is, for some reason, my vision of when heaven invades earth and, and God makes things all right. Like, all these people, our heroes of the faith, will have these little booths. And so it's like, of course, everybody's going to go to Jesus' booth, and it's going to be packed. And Peter, James, John, all everybody's excited to see Jacob. But I wonder, Matthew, uh, the tax collector, if probably not going to be a whole lot of people. So hopefully at some point we just go up and talk and like, hey, Matthew, tell me, tell me your story. Tell me what happened. Um, tell me about this incredible journey you took. Whether or not that will happen, I don't, I don't know. But at some point, we know Matthew came to this conclusion where he said there is nothing left in this Jewish narrative of God's salvation to the world. There's nothing left for me. So I'm cashing in. I'm going to the Romans. I'm going to be a tax collector. Tax collectors were hated, uh, probably not as much as Romans, but despised at least on par uh, with the Romans. And at some point, some level, we can assume that Matthew sold his soul um, to the Roman agenda and basically said, um, there is nothing left for me. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob, he's done with me. I have nothing. And remember, uh, as he walks, Jesus walks down this beach one day, there's this tax collector booth, and there's Matthew, the outsider, the, the mumser, the illegitimate, um, the traitor, um, the enemy. Same guy that has taxed uh, Peter, James, John, um, Philip, Andrew. Um, here, he, here Jesus comes to this tax collector booth and says, Hey, Matthew, why don't you come and follow me? Uh, why don't you become my disciple? So it makes total sense that as we arrive in the gospel of Matthew, um, and as gospel, uh, he makes his gospel announcement proclamation to the world, 
that it's going to include the Mumser, uh, that there are no outsiders in this new kingdom. This new king and this new kingdom is open to anyone who wants to participate. Anyone who wants to participate in this thing that God is up to, that God is doing. Every time you turn your page in the Gospel of Matthew, you're going to hear stories about people who shouldn't be here. People that don't belong, but here they are finding belonging. You're going to hear about people that that shouldn't have faith. But yet Jesus says to them, I've looked all over Israel and I've never found faith even close to what you have. Everything in Matthew is going to be about people who should get it. Who have everything handed to them and should understand and should get it, but they miss the big thing. And everybody who shouldn't be there, who should have missed out, those are the ones that are being included. In the same breath as this genealogy, if you keep looking at Matthew, you find the story of Joseph and Mary. Mary's not supposed to be there. You know the scandal of of their story, and yet here she is right off the bat. Not after that, long after that, there's a Roman centurion. There's a Syrophoenician woman. There's Caesarea Philippi. There's a demoniac from the Decapolis. With every page you turn of this scroll, kingdom for everybody jumps out of the pages. And you have to say that and then say this. Matthew's audience totally expected that they are the ones in possession of this good news proclamation. That they're the receivers, that it's meant for them. And Matthew tells them that you're in very serious danger of missing out on everything. This is the message that I'm not sure who needs to hear, but I think I do. We live in a Christian world that, that, think, that thinks they have a grasp on it. But we could also be in danger of missing out on the whole thing. And I'm not even sure what that feeling is. And I tried to explain that this morning in our Walmart adventure story. I don't know what the feeling is. I don't know how to to say it in words. But that's what I'm talking about. In a, you probably can't see this, but in my pocket, I have this little Lego piece. Um, not even sure what color it is. I would say tan. You agree? That's good enough for me. Um, and it, this little Lego piece kind of resembles or gives me an example of what I've done a lot in my in my life. Um, I wanted to stand out uh, by myself. Um, hey, <laughs> look at me! Uh, look, look at me! If you look real close, you probably tell that my edges are a little sharper uh, than many other. Lego pieces. The little round piece things in the middle that like help connect. Mine are probably a little more rounded uh, than, than many other uh, Lego pieces. Look at me. 
always off here trying to draw uh, attention uh, to myself. Uh, but who wants to be who wants to be a Lego piece by themselves? What what's the purpose of that? Um, Legos were created, I guess, to be a part of something uh, much bigger uh, than themselves. So I ask, and this is Trail's rendition, uh, I asked Trail if he would build me a temple. Uh, it looks kind of like a pyramid, but I mean, it's, it's a temple. You get the idea. Um, the idea, especially if you flip over around Matthew chapter 21, a little after verse 40, uh, is that we are this piece, this, this stone um, of something much bigger than ourselves. And it's a building of, of many stones, um, many stones that you wouldn't expect to be there. Um, maybe even stones that realize that they shouldn't be there. But even then, and, and maybe you're like me, even then I find myself knowing those truths, um, still wanting a position of prominence. Um, different points in my life, maybe different points in your life, you could say, okay, I, I know I've been out here, but I'll attach, um, seriously, I'll attach myself if, uh, if and only if, um, I get to be right here. The guy on top, the girl on top, the person out in front, the person that people hear or see, um, rather than just saying, you know, it's, it is an honor uh, just to get to be grafted or, or connected or, or planted. It, it is an honor just to even be anywhere. Um, even if it's hidden, even if it's never visible at all, it is an honor just uh, to be connected to this. Because we know you look at Matthew 21 and, and other places in Scripture that this temple, um, it's cornerstone, it, it's chief, it's head, it's main thing is Jesus. Everything is built on who Jesus is and then you have the apostles and, and then you have the teachings of the prophets and then, then that genealogy we, we read through, all oh, that wild genealogy, everything is connected into this building. This display. And to think, we, you, I, people that chase Jesus in Canadian Church of Christ or parts close by, we get to be part of, of that kingdom. Um, we can jump in. We, we can join together and become uh, His temple. I just want to talk a little bit about where we started in Acts chapter 2. Um, remember, everyone had gathered in that upper room. And that's why you and that's why I should want to be part of this temple. Because those are the people. Those are the people that get to see the glory of God. They, those are the people that get to see the fire come down. Not the people who are like, hey, over here, <laughs> look at me, look at me. It's the people who humble themselves, become part of something bigger, who are filled with wonder, who get attached wherever they don't care what it looks like, even if it's 
attached underneath. It's just the fact that they're part of something. They get to see the glory of God. And I want to I be part of that. Which I, I do hear and see the irony of that because I'm on stage and talking to you, so what, what, what's that? Um, but man, despite that, isn't that your heart? Like I, I, I want to be part of something bigger uh, than me. I want to be filled with wonder. I want... And to see people, not the way I see people, but I want to start seeing them the way that God sees people. And the way that God includes people. And God will get through whatever he needs to get through to get to people. And I want to be a person who loves people and and cares for people that way. And that's what it means to be part of this lineage. Uh, That's what it means um, to be part of the kingdom and all I wanted to say to you this morning uh, I didn't want to fill you with answers I wanted to fill you with more questions if Matthew uh, completely gave up on the story of what God was doing and yet look what God's doing with his his gospel proclamation if if that's what God can do with men and women like that um, man do you hear how he's still calling you how he's still inviting you You don't have to treat people the way that you used to. There doesn't have to be dividing lines anymore. No matter what people have screwed up with, what they've done, what you've done. Man, God is calling the mumser to be part of something much bigger than he is. And that's the temple. And that's us. That's what we get to do. Uh, May the Lord bless you uh, in that word. you have any kind of need we'd love to to pray with you Um, just share with you whatever that may be but let's stand together and we'll sing